It's the North Shore Vineyard Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our service on Sunday, October 31st in downtown Covington. And this message is uh, actually given by a staff person from the Kenner Vineyard Church, Leanne Bales. We did kind of a church exchange program that particular Sunday as I was speaking in Kenner at the Vineyard Church. So Leanne agreed to come up here and speak to North Shore Vineyard. Has a great message for you called Eyes Wide Open. So without further ado, let's head over to the talk. And if in the event that you want to catch my talk from Kenner, you can check that out from VCFK Podcast on iTunes. So let's get ready to hear the word from Leanne. Thanks for listening. Absolutely lovely. It's really nice here on the North Shore. I need to come over here more often. This is actually my very first time visiting here at the North Shore Vineyard. So I'd like to say, hi, how are you? I'd like to say up front, thank you very much. You've had incredible hospitality. Uh, my husband's back there. He and I have had a really great time meeting you guys this morning. Looks like you've got a lot of good stuff going on. So uh, it looks like a great place to call home. So thanks for letting me be here this morning. It looks like today is actually going to be a pretty good day for me. I'm excited to be here. I get to be here with you guys this afternoon. I get to go hand out candy. We got all the little little trick-or-treaters that are be coming around. And then uh, tonight we got the Saints game. Woo, go Saints. That's right. So it's going to be a pretty good day. And then when we wake up tomorrow, I'm a little shocked to say it's going to be November. I can't really believe it's going to be November. This year has flown by for me. To be honest, a couple weeks ago, now remember, a couple weeks, we're in October. I was in Sam's, so I just come in from the parking lot. I'm like dripping with sweat. It's super hot outside. And I walk in, and Sam's already has on display all of their Christmas stuff. They have their Christmas trees up, their shelves have Christmas decorations all over them. I mean, it's decked out. And my first thought was, wow, this is awesome, because I really love Christmas. I could start Christmas really early every year. But Then a second later, I thought, oh my goodness, this is really unnerving because how many of you know that when you start getting into the holiday season, the rest of the year just totally flies by? Yes, we blink and it's like there's Thanksgiving and then there's Christmas and then bam, we're in a new year. And you know, our hope normally is that this next year will somehow be a little bit better, maybe a little bit different than this year. And most of us hope that maybe next year we might actually be a little bit better or a little different next year. So having Christmas starting so early, I actually was starting to think back on my year on 2010. You know, what am I going to think at the end of this year? And to be honest, I'd have to say this has been a pretty good year for me. I've been really challenged by a lot of things. I'm, I'm involved in tons of stuff, but this is a really cool time where I'm excited about everything that I'm involved in. As you know, money cannot buy that kind of excitement. I'm getting to know a lot more people in my life. I'm actually stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm letting people get to know me more. So there's some good stuff going on this year. And yet at the same time, this has been one of my most challenging years yet, to be honest with you. And it's challenging for me because I know I'm supposed to be on this journey of growing with God and, and loving God and moving with God. And yet a lot of days I feel like I come home and I, I think back and I think, man, I don't think I'm loving people, especially certain people any better today than I was loving him last week. And, and I look back and I think, you know, 
some days I just feel like I'm not any more connected to God or to other people than I was six months ago. You know, sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, there's, there's not as much going on as I thought there might be this year. You know, some days I actually look around and I think, man, I just missed God today. I didn't see him anywhere. And then other times I look back and I think, wow, I, I caught a glimpse of God. I kind of sensed he might be doing something somewhere. But, you know, we get really busy. We get on that autopilot mode. We're doing our thing, and we might kind of catch a glimpse of what looks like God, but we just keep on moving. And I find that I've got a lot of stories this year where I've missed what God was doing. You know, I even had a friend uh, that popped in my mind a couple weeks ago, just out of nowhere, I thought, I need to call this friend. And, of course, my next thought was, well, what am I going to call her for? I don't have anything, I don't have anything to talk about. I don't really, I don't want to stop what I'm doing. I'm kind of busy. So, you know, I just kind of pushed it aside. I ignored it, moved on. A few days later, I ran into her, and I said, oh, so how you been doing? And it turns out the day that I sensed that maybe I should give her a call, she said, man, I was, I was really depressed that day. She's been going through a lot, really tough time. And she said, I was so depressed. And she said, I knew that I needed to call somebody. I needed somebody. But I didn't have the energy to even pick up the phone. I was like, oh, man, God, that's we, that was you. And I missed it. How many of you can relate to missing God like that? See, the truth is sometimes we get so caught up in doing things our way. And we get caught up in living life on our terms that a lot of times we forget to even look to see if God's on the move at all. There's a really cool story in your Bibles in 2 Kings chapter 6. I absolutely love this story. If you're not sure where 2 Kings is, it's in the Old Testament. It's about halfway through the Old Testament. And apparently, I've lost my bookmark, so now I've got to find it like you. Page 617. Thank you. 2 Kings chapter 6. All right, here we go. This is a story about Elisha. Elisha is a prophet in Israel at this time. And the story starts, it says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. It says, after conferring with his officers, the king of Aram says, We're going to camp up in such and such a place. But the man of God, Elisha, this prophet sends word to the king of Israel, and he says, beware, don't go in that place, because the Arameans are going down there. And time and time again, it says, Elisha warned the king of Israel so that he would be on his guard in those places. Well, now this really enrages the king of Aram, because, you know, they're in a war. Somebody's messing with his plan. So he gets all his officers back together, and he says, all right, guys, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? What he's basically saying is, I smell a rat. Somebody is leaking to Israel where we're going to be. And it's got to be one of you guys. And they say, no, 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 it's not us. It's not us. But there's this guy, this, this prophet, Elisha. He tells the king of Israel everything. He even tells him the very words you speak in your bedroom. So the king of Aram's like, oh, no, this has got to stop. So he says, I want you to go out. I want you to find where this guy is. And when you find him, we're going we're gonna to capture him. So his men find out where Elisha is staying. And the king sends out, it says, horses and chariots and a strong force there. I don't know how many that is, but it sounds like a lot, right? So these guys go out, and at night they surround the city that Elisha's in. 
Well, the next morning, the servant of Elisha, he wakes up and he looks out and he thinks, oh my goodness, he sees these horses, he sees the chariots, he sees this strong force of men surrounding them, and he is like, oh my Lord, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, well, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This has got to be weird for the servant because you know he's looking around going, hmm. I don't, see, I don't see anybody. Are you sure? And Elisha prays. And he says, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And so the Lord did it. He opened the servant's eyes. And when he looked this time, he saw the hills. And they were filled with horses, filled with chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, I think this is like the coolest story ever. It's a classic story of you got this one guy. And he's looking, and he's looking with his own eyes, and he doesn't see God anywhere. He sees a big mess, but no God. And you've got another guy who's in the same space, looking at the same stuff, only his eyes are open to something else. And this guy actually sees that God is on the move. I think that's so cool. You know that studies have shown over the years that our expectation of something will actually affect our experience of something. Would any of you guys know that to be true? In other words, what we mean is if we actually expect to see God on the move today, it's much more likely that we'll actually see God on the move today. And on the flip side, if we don't expect to see God today, our chances are much slimmer that we'll actually see him, even if he's on the move all around us. Our expectation can actually affect our experience. So my question this morning is, are our eyes open? Do we expect God to be on the move? And if we do, how do we get in on what God's doing? You know, I think as followers of Jesus, a lot of us would say, you know what, I do. I believe that God's on the move. I believe he's present and he's working in my life. He's working in the world around me. I believe that. And yet I find a lot of times we end up actually living out a different kind of story. Sometimes I think we miss what God's doing because we put our lives into some sort of spiritual hierarchy, some sort of like a a list. I think we got a slide up here for it. There we go, right there. Sometimes we approach our lives to where they look like this. Notice we got at the top, we got God. That's that's the really important stuff, right? Then we got church and family, work, friends, sports, all that kind of stuff kind of filters down towards the bottom. See, on a list like this, and we put kind of the more spiritual stuff, whatever we think might be the more important stuff in life at the top, and we put everything else nearer to the bottom. So we spend time doing the stuff up here, and once we do that, then, then we can guilt-free. We can start working our way down that list. So on this list, something like going to church or maybe uh, meeting up with a Bible study, uh, we'd put those near the top, and we'd say, yeah, God's, God's totally into these things. And something like baseball for example, might not make it very high on the list. We don't necessarily see what God might be doing in baseball, unless it's like like church league baseball. And then we're like, bump it, bump it up a little higher, right? Sometimes we approach life this way. We may not necessarily say with our lips that this is what we believe, but sometimes it is the way that we live. You know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, actually shopping in Sam's again. I was with my husband this time. It was, it was late at night, man, I was tired. If you've ever been in Sam's, you know that if anyone else is in Sam's with you, which there are always like a million people in there, it is exhausting. All you want to do is get your groceries in your car and go home. 
So we're in the parking lot at Sam's. It's late at night, loading the groceries in. I'm in total task mode. I'm like, man, we got to get this done. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm getting cranky at this point. And all of a sudden, this woman walks out in the parking lot, and she, she asks a really weird question. And she stops, and I'm not paying attention. She, she says, excuse me, but um, do you have 73 cents you can give me? I'm thinking, 73 cents? That is a weird number to ask for. I'm not really paying attention. My husband's on the ball, though. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I don't have any cash on me at all, but my wife might have some. I'm like, oh, great. You know, we're just, you could have just said no. We'd probably be in our car on our way home by now. I'm like totally in task mode. But now he's, he's, he's put me out there. Now i got to look. The truth is I actually had a dollar in my pocket, but that would have been way too easy. This woman asked for 73 cents. When you're in task mode, what do you do? You stick to the task. So I'm like, this woman needs 73 cents. Doggone it, I'm going to find her 73 cents. So I'm like digging in my purse. Got this dollar in my pocket. Digging in my purse for all this change. And I'm just thinking, what's the fastest way we can get this money to this woman so that we can get our stuff done? I, I wasn't thinking that on purpose. That was just the mode I was in. I was thinking, I, I don't really care who she is. I don't really care what she needs the 73 cents for. She has a problem. I'm going to give her the money, and we're going to go. Now, my husband, Robbie, he actually was seeing things a little differently. He actually sensed that, I wonder if God might be doing something here with this woman. So he stops loading the groceries in the cart, which did not make me very happy. And he turns and decides, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation with this woman, and I'm going to see what God's doing. Now, I'll tell you more about their conversation later. But I tell you that story to, to show you that in that case... We were like Elisha and Elisha's servant. I was like the servant. I'm looking. I didn't see. I wasn't looking for God. I, I kind of was living life this way. Sam's did not rank very high on my list. I was not really expecting for God to move while I was in the parking lot at Sam's. And yet, it looked like that's what he was doing. See, my husband and I were in the same place at the same time, having the same stuff happening around us. And yet, our expectation... And our experience of God in that moment was totally different. See, I think my husband had a much more biblical approach to the moment. His approach looked more like this. This is a whole different way that we can approach life with God, right? See, notice that God, in this way, is in the center of everything. There's not a, a spiritual hierarchy. There's no ranking, a list form, or anything like that. God's at the center, and every other part of our lives wraps around it. Notice in something like this, everything is equally connected to the presence of God. And not only that, because everything's connected, that means that the love and the life of God can actually permeate equally into everything that we do. So if we approach life with God this way, that means that everything in its own way is spiritual and everything is important because it's connected to the life of God. See, whichever model we use to live our lives is actually going to determine whether or not our eyes are even open to see if God's moving in that moment. See, when we live life according to more of a list model, we totally expect God to show up at a church meeting. But we don't necessarily expect him to show up at a business meeting. When we live life that way, we expect God to want us to pray for and to be into to asking him to heal someone in our small group, but we don't necessarily expect him to ask us to pray for the woman across the street when she's sick. 
It changes our expectation. As we know, our expectation affects our experience. See, now when we live according to the circle model like this, we can actually expect that God is up to something all the time. We can expect that the kingdom of God is actually flowing through and breaking into all of these areas of our life, anywhere, at any time. So that means if we're enjoying ice cream with a friend, or if we're listening to worship music, we can expect to see God in the same way. That means whether we're reading our Bibles or we're reading bedtime stories to our kids, that we can expect that God is on the move. It's all a matter of are our eyes open? Now, the truth is, having an awareness of God is very good. It's, it's very good to be aware that God's moving in these places. But when we talk about life with God, it's not just knowing that he's present. It's a matter of seeing, but also responding. We know that God's at work and on the move, but we still have a choice. Just knowing doesn't make my life any better. It doesn't make other people's lives any better. It doesn't really change a thing just to know. It's a matter of are we applying it in our lives. You know, this, this works for us. This is, this is kind of how it is. We can't respond to God if we don't see what he's doing. Well, it's, it's the same thing for Jesus. Jesus actually said in the book of John, chapter 5, you know, sometimes we kind of put Jesus up here like his experience of life was different than ours, but he was actually a model to say this is what life with God can look like for you and for me. And what he says in John 5, he says, I tell you the truth, even the Son, even Jesus, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. Now, I read this a lot, and my gut reaction is, oh, he's just being modest. This guy's just really humble, and like, he's just camera shy. He's just trying to push the attention off of himself, right? Or we think, oh, he's just saying that for dramatic effect. He doesn't really mean that he can't do anything without God. But the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus was 100% God. This is true. But it also says that he chose to put that aside. He chose to limit himself and essentially to become 100% human. And so when he says, hey, just like you and me, you know, I can't do anything without the Father, he means because I've chosen to limit myself, I am totally dependent on seeing what God's doing to live this kind of life. So the only way he did what he did, the only way he healed the people he healed, the only way he loved people the way that he loved them, was because he was living with his eyes open. He was attentive, he was responsive to what God was doing. So Jesus here is a picture of what the world would look like if we as human beings would actually 100% 100% submit to the life of God. Which I think that's a really cool thought. I mean, it, it totally opens things up. If we see Jesus this way, it opens it up. I mean, imagine, what if each person in this room, like just, just us, every person in this room, were to actually start practicing living with eyes open all the time. And if we were to look for God all the time and what he might be doing. I mean, what if we were to always say yes to God, no matter what it costs. And let's say we did that for five years. Do you think that that might make a radical difference in our lives? Maybe in our marriages, in our kids' lives. Do you think it might make a radical difference in our city, in our neighborhoods, maybe in our kids' schools, 
maybe in our world, I think it could be radically different. See, Jesus was just one guy. And he was one totally human guy, and he simply chose to live his life totally connected to and engaged in the story that God's telling. So his life is just a small demonstration of what God can do through us, plain, old, everyday, ordinary, simple human beings, when we simply say, God, I am all in. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how to do it, but I'm open, and I want in. This is the life that Jesus lived, and it's the same life that we're invited into. So the question for us is, are we, as followers of Jesus, choosing to get in on that life? And if not, as followers of Jesus, we've got to start asking ourselves, why not? Why would we want to miss this? You know, a major theme that I've noticed on my own journey with God, it's a pretty challenging one, whenever I do see God... I actually recognize that he's on the move, and I decide I'm going to get in on it. It almost always, without fail, is going to involve something that has to do with people. God is in the people business. And to be honest, people, that's tough for me. How many of you find it, like, super easy, like, you never have a problem with people, they never get on your nerves, never have conflict, you just love, love, love all the time? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. All right, but here's the deal. God loves people. I mean, it's, you can't even open the Bible for five seconds before you realize that God radically loves people. And we're, we're invited in on that life. We're sitting here going, well, how the heck am I supposed to do that? You know, Jesus was even asked one time by one of the religious Pharisees. You know, these, these are the guys. They're always trying to trap him. But they asked him one time in Matthew. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the land? Most of you will probably be familiar with this. Jesus replies, he says, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says, that's the greatest. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you have heard that before, at least? Pretty much everyone in that room, right? I want to know, does it ever bug you when you read this that, like, the Pharisee is saying, okay, what is the one greatest commandment? And Jesus is like, well, I got two for you. Love God and love others. That bugs me because I'm like, like a super major rule follower. I am like by the book. If they say, Jesus, what's the one commandment? I am expecting him to give them one commandment. So I imagine myself being in that crowd that day. Thankfully, I wasn't because I probably would have been like, um, hello, Jesus. He was asking for one greatest commandment. And for some reason, I, I don't know if you didn't hear the question. I don't know if you can't make up your mind, but you, Jesus, you gave him two. And I imagine Jesus probably turning around and lovingly look at me and say, no, no, I know what I'm doing. See, because to Jesus, these two commandments, to love God and to love others, these can't be separated. Jesus knows they can't be separated. They go together. So naturally, it shouldn't surprise us to learn that if we want to fully engage in the life of God, that we also have to be fully engaged in the lives of other people. Now, for followers of Jesus, this is really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, we can love, 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 love God all day long, but if we're not loving people, we're still not engaged in the life that God's called us to. This is where a lot of us get hung up, I find. See, most of us like the idea of loving people, and we absolutely love it when other people love us. 
And we're pretty good at loving certain kinds of people, like the people who are like us, or the people that we just for some reason automatically like, the ones who look like us and act like us, people that think like us. It's pretty easy for us to love people who are going to love us back. We don't mind loving this way, do we? This is pretty easy. But you know, this doesn't exactly line up with the way Jesus loved people. See, Jesus loved people a lot more, a lot differently, a lot more fully than just that. It's a lot less risky to love people my way. I like my way. I like loving on my terms. I like, I mean, if I love you, I love you. And if I don't, I want God to send someone else to love you. I do not want it to be me. See, but the truth is, God has actually wired us to love people. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. It feels very unnatural sometimes, but the truth is, the way that we are wired is to love people. We just have some other junk that gets in the way sometimes. See, just part of the nature of living in the culture that we live in, we pick up some very destructive habits when it comes to loving God and loving people. You know, some of the habits feel natural to us today, but the truth is, we've just been swimming in the water too long. They're not natural to the way that God's wired us. So sometimes we have difficulty loving and engaging with other people because of things like judgmentalism. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had a hard time loving someone because you couldn't get past judging that person? See, we all do it. We take what somebody might have done. Maybe, maybe we take where they've been or maybe where they are today. And there's a part of us that just wants to define them by their mistakes by the things that don't line up with the way we would do things. And we sort of hold that over a person. We sort of devalue them. And we make an excuse sometimes. We're thinking, oh, I, I don't have to love that person. Look at what they've done. Look at how they've hurt me. Look at how they've hurt somebody else, you know. And in the kingdom of God, though, Jesus says, you know, we, we can't love the ones that we judge. He says, God's, God's the ultimate judge. God's going to do that part. That's not for you. I just want you to love people. See, sometimes judgment gets in the way. You know, think about this. Have you ever had a hard time loving someone because of different prejudices that you had? See, prejudices, a lot of times they come from some, some insecurity in us. They come from maybe pride, maybe, maybe fear. A lot of times we just don't know how to love people that we don't understand. And it gets in the way. We take a whole bunch of people that seem to have a similar characteristic. We lump them together. And we were like, you know what? I got their number. I know their story because they're just a whatever. We sort of, we stop seeing a person. We start seeing a generalization. And the truth is we can't love a person if we don't see a person, right? So this can get in the way. It trips us up. And these are, these are hard things to battle through when we live in the culture that we live in. But the truth is, God has something better for us than this. You know, I, I find that another major cultural thing that really trips us up when it comes to loving people, is, it's really simple. It's busyness. Sometimes we get so busy because the culture that we live in values things like productivity and accomplishing tasks way more than it necessarily values people. And when we live in a culture that long, we just soak it up. But the truth is, if we're sitting in a line at Walmart, and there are like a thousand people in Walmart all trying to check out at the same time, and they've got two registers open, 
and you cannot for the life of you figure out why in the world they only have two registers open. So you're like in this line, like 30 people deep. You're in the clothing racks at the back waiting to get your turn up there. What do we see? I mean, do we see a nuisance and, and a burden and this hindrance of people that are just in our way? They're just getting in the way of what we want to get done today. Or are we able to say, you know what, God, I don't know, but maybe you're doing something here. What are you doing? I'm going to be here for the next five hours. So if you're doing something, maybe I should get in on it. Is there somebody you want me to talk to? Is there, you know, somebody that you want me to love on? Is there somebody here that I know that I haven't seen in five years that this would be a great time to reconnect? What are you doing? See, our culture says absolutely yes to all these things. Yes, we judge people. It makes us feel safe. Yes, we have prejudices. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Yes, we stay busy because we value tasks, not people. That's what our culture says. But God says, no, I I have a better life than that. See, when we look at Jesus and the way he lived, he was a busy guy. I mean, he had like crowds of people around him all the time. He was always on the go, moving from town to town. These crowds are pressing in, and these are not just like, you know, the the super nice, awesome people in society. These are like the the riffraff of the culture. You know, he's got all kinds of people pressing on him and demanding his time and his attention. Now, Jesus was the only human being who lived so connected to God and so aligned with his story. He was the only one who could actually throw the first stone, so to speak. And yet he didn't. Instead, Jesus looked. He he didn't see pesky crowds of people, which is totally what I would have seen. He didn't see streets full of sinners. He did not see worthless, no-good bums. He didn't look and see, oh, there's, there's the uppity elite over there. He didn't see people that way. See, when Jesus looked at a person, he saw a person. When he looked in their eyes, he saw a person. See, in the kingdom of God, seeing people and loving people are so integrally connected that you cannot really separate the two. We see it all throughout scripture. The way Jesus has lived his whole life, I mean, seeing and loving go hand in hand. See, in, in Luke chapter 7, there's, there's this sinful woman. Everybody else around him is judging this woman. And Jesus says, no, guys, wait, but, but I know she's a sinner, but do you see this woman? Because I love this woman. Luke chapter 13, there's a, a, a crippled woman. She'd been crippled for a long time. She'd been enduring a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of rejection. But it says in the Bible, but Jesus saw her. And when he saw her, he experienced the love of God for her. He had mercy on her, and he felt compelled to go to love on her and to heal her. In Matthew chapter 9, there's the, the bleeding woman in the crowd. It says Jesus turned, and he saw her. Matthew 9.36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he saw them, and he had compassion on them. He said they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd, but it didn't matter because he saw people. Luke chapter 7, there's a, a widow. She's just lost her only son. That's, that's a tough spot to be in in that culture. You have nobody to take care of you. And it says when Jesus saw her, he saw the situation she was in. It actually says his heart went out to her. Jesus saw people, and so he loved people. We can't, we can't love people when we don't see them. 
See, all these are stories about the outcasts of society. You got the sick, the broken, the, the widowed, the, the pain-in-the-neck people that nobody else wanted to be around that were just so attracted to Jesus. And each time it says that Jesus saw them. In John chapter 4, Jesus actually is, is with his disciples. And they look around and they, they see all this mess of people. That's all they see. But Jesus tells them, I tell you, open your eyes and look. He says, because there's a lot more than what your human eyes see. God's doing something here. You've got to look with different eyes. So I was telling you earlier about this woman in the Sam's parking lot. The one that, you know, I'm digging for change trying to just get her off my list. And, you know, that Robbie stopped and wanted to talk to her. He sensed that God was doing something. Good for him. I totally was missing it. But he, he engages in this conversation. So I'm still trying to get this 73 cents. We're going to get the ball moving. We're going to get on the road. He says, well, hey, well, um, what do you need 73 cents for? And she's got a dollar in her hand already. She says, well, I'm going to go get some food. I'm thinking, what kind of food is she going to get for a dollar 73? And she says, well, I'm, I'm going to go over to Popeye's right there next door. And something starts to click in my brain. I'm thinking, $1.73 at Popeye's. That's very specific. This woman knows what she's getting. That's probably about enough to buy her a regular side from Popeye's. It's probably her dinner. Maybe her only meal that day. And I'm thinking, hmm, wow, that's, that's, that's something. And my husband's real quick, though, because, like I said, he's seeing God. He's thinking, I bet God's doing something here. And he says, oh, well, you know, I don't know about the change, but I, said, I got a debit card. We, we'll meet you over in the Popeye's parking lot. We'll get you whatever you want. And so I'm sitting there thinking, dude, I have 73 cents right here. We could give it to her. She could, she could go get what she wanted, be on her way. He says, no, no, we'll get you something. So she rides her bike to the parking lot. My husband and I get in the truck, and all of a sudden, all this, all this stuff just starts flooding into my brain. I'm going, wait a minute. I think God might be doing something here. I wonder if maybe my husband is on to something. So I'm in the truck. It's like a 30-second trip from the Sam's parking lot to the Popeye's parking lot. But let me tell you, the moment that I was able to see that God was doing something, when I got out of that truck, all of a sudden, this woman was a totally different person to me. I stepped out of the truck, and this time, you know what I saw? I mean, first of all, I saw a person. I saw a woman, and not just somebody who needed change. But I actually looked at her this time, and I noticed this woman, man, she's dirty. And she, she looks tired, and she looks pretty hungry. I mean, you got to be pretty hungry to look hungry. And this woman looked hungry, man. And I'm looking at her. She looks run down. She looks exhausted. She looks like she's had a pretty rough time, probably for a pretty long time. And my husband's just, man, he's just so engaged. And I'm just kind of watching him going, wow, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm missing this. I cannot believe I was going to miss this. So he's talking to her, and all of a sudden I learned, wow, this woman has a name. Her name was Miss Barbara. Something about knowing a person's name makes it much more personal. And she shares a little bit of her story, and let me tell you, it was not an easy story. And I'm thinking, wow, God just wanted to love on this person. And to be honest, if Robbie hadn't been paying attention, I would have totally missed it. I would have completely missed what God was doing in that moment. You know, seeing God 
is what opens our eyes up to see people. And sometimes we, we try and we try and we try to love people, but the truth is when we see God, he gives us his eyes to see people, and it changes everything. See, when we start seeing people, like really seeing people, we start to see opportunities for the kingdom to break in all the time. Like everywhere we go, we, we see a chance to love on somebody, or we see a chance to, to go bless somebody, or to go listen, or to encourage we see God's doing things all the time, and we start to long for it. We want more of that life with God. We start noticing that something we would have really quickly dismissed, maybe a person we would have totally overlooked before, starts to really weigh on our heart. That's a sign that God's, man, God's changing the way we're seeing. We're opening our eyes. We start to become really restless because we're sitting here going, God, I want you to do something here, and I want to be a part of it. So when we choose to live with our eyes open, essentially what we're doing is we're, we're basically just inviting. We're allowing God to start to rinse us clean of all that cultural baggage that we've got that affects the way that we see. We're inviting him to take away our judgmentalism, to take away our prejudices, our selfishness, our busyness, to slow us down and to wash all that away so that we can start to see what he's doing. See, living with eyes open, that will radically change our experience. It'll change what we see. It'll change how we see God. It'll change the way we see the world. It changes the way we see people. I'm going to be upfront and honest. This kind of life takes a lot of practice. I would love to say it happens on its own or it happens while we're sleeping or something, but it doesn't. This takes a lot of practice. It takes being intentional about it. It takes sacrifice. It takes work, but let me tell you, it is worth it. It's worth it because as followers of Jesus, we are never, ever going to be more fully alive than when we're connected to God and when we're investing in the lives of other people. I mean, we were made for this kind of life. So regardless of wherever we are today, the question is, and the challenge this morning is, are we moving in the right direction? If you hear this and you think, well, I, I think I'd like to, to move more in that direction, but I'm not really sure how, here are a couple of very, very simple, practical, easy ways to get started with some of this. My first suggestion, you know what? Practice looking at people in their eyes. This is going to feel really, really awkward for you at first. We were actually, I was talking with somebody before, and they're like, well, I don't like to look at people unless there's like a barrier between us because it makes me uncomfortable. It does. It's going to probably feel uncomfortable, but notice there's life in people's eyes. We see people all day long, but how many people do you find that you've actually looked at? How many people do you find you've actually seen? It, try it in Walmart. Next time you go through the checkout line, actually look at your cashier and say, hi, how are you doing? Having, having a good day? Oh, uh, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate your help. I, I don't know. It's simple, but I tell you what, if you see her again, you're going to recognize her, and there's a connection that's happened between you. We connect with people when we look in their eyes. You know, another thing, uh, we go to restaurants and places like that all the time. When the waitress tells you her name, man, know, know your waitress's name. She's a real person. He's a real person, whoever it may be. These are real people. Don't be afraid to look at your waitress. Don't be afraid to know their name. Don't be afraid to have a conversation with people. People love to hear their own name on other people's lips. They absolutely love it. I, how many of you know you feel really valued when somebody knows your name? Absolutely. You know another really easy thing? If you want to start 
practicing investing in people, start wherever your life already is. If you're a mom and you've got kids, you know what, find another mom with kids and go on a play date. Or, or you know what, <laughs> invite them over to your house, even if all you're gonna do is your laundry. That's okay, moms understand, right? Invite them over. We all have neighbors, maybe you wanna get to know your neighbors a little better. Maybe next time you go out to your mailbox, you don't rush in the house. Maybe you actually say hi, how, how are you doing? How's, how's that thing going with your wife? I know she was having a tough time last month. You know, Talk to people. I, I don't know what it might look like for you. My, my husband and I are actually thinking about having our neighbors over for a barbecue. It really freaks me out, I gotta tell you. I don't know what we're gonna talk about, but I really sense that God's saying, you know, you live with these people all the time. You see them at a distance all the time, but maybe it's time to get to know them a little bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm pretty excited about it. We're gonna have our neighbors over and barbecue. We're going to do it in the front yard because that makes me more comfortable. But we're going to have them over. And you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if a couple months from now, I invite them in the house. <laughs> whatever it might look like for you, whatever it is, the challenge is simply to move. The challenge is, are you going to invite God to help us open our eyes or not? So my encouragement this morning Whatever people, whatever places that God naturally seems to have put on your heart, just start moving in those directions. Ask God what he's doing. And don't be afraid to step out and do it. You know, this morning I'd like to take a minute to pray for us, and then I'll, I'll let you go enjoy this beautiful day. But, um, you know, God, we, we do thank you for your presence. And we are thankful that you are always on the move. But God, you, you know we got stuff in the way sometimes. So I ask you that you would help remove the barriers. That you would open our eyes. Help us to see you. And God, help us to see other people around us. Lord, the truth is uh, we may not know exactly what it looks like. We may not know how to do it. But God, we say right now that we want in. Whatever you're doing today, whatever you're doing this week, God, help us not to miss it. So God, we thank you for what you're doing and we invite you to have your way in us. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Hey, well, thank you for letting me come out this morning. If, if anybody would like prayer for anything, I'm sure we got a couple of people around here who'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great day.